This podcast is a Bendy Geddig Media production. Hello, I'm Michael Sheen, and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Hello, my name is Luke, and welcome to episode 145 of a Touchline Rant podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. This week, we were surprised, delighted, and a little bit concerned when we got an audio message from Jordan. I say an audio message, it was a 10-minute long rant. You are about to hear it in full. Uh, about the state of the game, VAR, uh, how money is ruining the game and taking it away from the fans. Uh, So we decided, right, we'll play the rant for you all to hear so you can say whether you agree or disagree. And then myself and Alex joined Jordan to discuss it in depth. We also look at Leeds United's promotion because we couldn't leave it without saying congratulations um, thank you very much again to our producers, Bendy Geddig Media, for helping us get this podcast out to you each and every single week during lockdown. And don't forget to follow us on social media at a touchline rant everywhere you get your media socially. But for now, I will just play the music. As you know, fellas, I love football. We all love football. I'm one quarter of the world's best football podcast, so I also like to think I know what I'm talking about. But as I messaged you all earlier, different things recently uh, in English football have made me a little bit worried going forward, a little bit stressed um, about where the game over here is going. Actually starting to affect the enjoyment of it all as well. Um, Wolves on for the best season ever, top points in Europe, you know, chasing Champions League with two games to go is incredible, but still feel a little deflated. Everything around football has left me worried, a little bit stressed, and I think all the things that I love, and I know you boys love as well, are at risk uh, going forward to next season. So, starting with VAR, as all for VAR, slam for VAR. I want it to be correct. It was brought in to aid clear and obvious errors. But look at last night. Are you a toenail offside? That's not football. That's not an error. The rest not made an error there. That decision is the death of football for me. We're literally stopping goals. Like before, dirty, handball. That decision just proves that players' protection isn't at the forefront of their mind. Because dirty has a choice there of whether it's more important to stop a decision or having his teeth kicked down his throat. It's not a penalty. It's not an error. Zaha last night, it wasn't even checked. You know what? Whether you think it's a penalty or not, it wasn't even looked at. It wasn't even checked. And that's my issue. It's The delays are too much, but it's criminally inconsistent. It's creating the very thing it was brought in to eliminate. And that's errors. We're changing the format and the rules of the game that every person knows and loves. We're constantly confused now. There's nothing wrong with the format of football and the rules of how the game works. We're not allowing refs to use the screens. That works so well in every other country. But we're so really arrogant here that we have to do it different. And look where it's getting us. Everything's a mess. 
fans can't celebrate goals anymore. Fans cannot celebrate goals anymore. Just think about that. Who'd have thought that, eh? That, that euphoria is different. Imagine the Aguero title goal with VAR. Are we ever going to see goals like that again and scenes like that again? I just, I can't see how. And also, VAR, top six bias. I've never believed in this before. There's money. But this post-COVID, it's looking obvious. And it really ties in with this rumoured elite league that UEFA want. Oh, they're pushing. How have Bournemouth not had a penalty for that David Silva handball? I can relegate them. If you look online, Kara's tweeting saying, ah, we can't give that against Silva, can we? We love him. But yes, we can. Bournemouth could go down here. It's madness. At the same time, in another game across the way, a far official who's got a conflict of interests due to the team he supports, stops Wolves moving within a point of the top four by allowing the pen. There's a Trent handball earlier in the season. United twice last night. It's happening too often. People are going to have a swing and they're going to say, oh, you're biased, oh, you're bitter, or there's no top six bias. But I, I'm not bitter. I want this to be right for everybody. I want this to be right for football. I'm not anti-VAR. I'm anti-injustice. And the top six bias is way further than VAR. Again, money. How on earth can anybody say there isn't a top six bias when not only these decisions happen, Spurs are given a £150 million loan to help deal with COVID losses, whilst Wigan, who've had the same problems, are left to rot. How, how is that right? Man City have a ban lifted for cheating. They broke FFP rules as cheating. Whilst round the corner from Man City, stones throw away, bury are gone. Not exist anymore. They weren't saved. Man City got off their punishment for overspending by paying for 100 lawyers. Can't even make that up. They overspent to get over their punishment. Apparently, according to a report, there's about 14 football clubs in the Football League ladder who are high risk of going the same way. How is that right? You only have to watch the Sunderland Till I Die documentary to know what a club dying will do to a community and businesses. It can destroy lives. We're also now changing the format of the game, so football's not the same rules anymore. Next season, we've got far two drinks breaks and five subs. If you add those delays to natural injury breaks, goals, goal kicks, half-time, everything else, it's American football. We're stopping every two minutes. Post-COVID, I read a stat the other day, the average time the ball is in play is 42 minutes. So not only are the hard-working people next season buying 30, 40 pound plus tickets for one game, or several hundred pounds a year for a Sky package just to watch their team, they're getting half a game. 42 minutes. And where where is their money going? People, the money that people are forced to shelve out, it's not filtering down. Clubs are going extinct. So where is their money going? We've had three separate occasions of a points deduction this season, and one club has folded. The FA are also not doing fit and proper testing correctly anyway on new owners. And Mick Jones are coming in asset strip clubs, which are supposed to belong to the fans. Due to all these financial implications of relegation promotion being so huge and the lack of spending from the FA and the top heavy economic infrastructure we've got in English football, League One and League Two sides are playing weakened teams in the cup. So they can prioritise the league because they're so scared of relegation or so scared of not getting that promotion that they need to survive. Look at the magic of the cup you see on the adverts. It's the chore of the cup. 
no one takes it seriously. And that's so sad. The same Cups who play the semi-finals at Wembley to satisfy corporate sponsors. Was it last year? 70,000 stadium or whatever it is. Each side was given 15,000 tickets. There are 40,000 tickets going. The rich, again, this never used to happen. Never used to happen with our fathers, went to football, grandfathers. Never used to happen when we were kids. Football was about footed. It was pretty pure. Yeah, money was sneaking in, but it was pure. It's now just money machine. It's enterprises we're watching and it's assets playing for money, not players playing for pride. It's just not right. And you can see it. It's obvious. I don't care about live TV giving us access. Fans have never been further away from the games. And this this leads them to spend their money on betting so they can get close to the action. They're bombarded with betting adverts, making it impossible for people to not have a flutter to try and make them feel close and get some joy out of football. They can't afford the games, so they chuck it on some bets. And people are also flocking into social media now to try and get closer to the clubs. And the money that pressure that clubs are under, not to mention fan anger at prices and angry punters who've lost money gambling, changes fan behaviour to change. And social media has now become a platform for hate and abuse rather than the opportunity for discussion and debate. It's 2020. And after scoring his first two Premier League goals the other day, David McGoldrick, probably buzzing, touched his phone, was tweeted by a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old, with horrific racist abuse. That's insane. 12 years old. I didn't, I didn't know swear words age 12. And this same platform has meant a Premier League footballer, if rumours to be believed, is not comfortable coming out due to the fear of abuse and their safety if they come out. It's 2020. Footballers are humans. Who cares what they look like? Who cares who they fancy? We need to protect these players, protect our game. And I believe that starts by giving football back for the fans a little bit, just step by step. As, I, as, a, as I've said constantly, um, the stop started matches, prices of attending football, clubs going extinct, inconsistent VAR and rule enforcement, and constant betting adverts has led the fans barely being part of the game anymore. And they're angry and they're upset. And what do they do? They go online and get angry. You take football back out of the hands of the rich. Stop changing the game itself. And give back to people by allowing them access again. I absolutely guarantee you, you will see fuller attendances, less online hatred. Perhaps the magic for the cup will come back. And maybe the English game has a chance going forward. Because right now, it's bang in trouble. It's it bang in trouble. I've never felt like this before. Whenever I can... Definitely going forward this season, I'm going to get down and try and see Barrytown, local side. I want my money to go towards people who are going to appreciate it and I support to go towards those people. Um, and actually just watch proper football and proper footballers and see the joy of fans and actually celebrate a goal without going, oh, hold on, oh, oh God. And actually see these superstars that we pay to see X amount of money a week, X amount of pounds a week, too scared to celebrate a goal. Anyway, that was too much for me to type out. Look forward to seeing what you guys think about it. I'm Rachel Gad, and you're listening to a Touchline Rant. So that was a hell of a rant. We, my name is Luke. We're here, Touchline Rant, yet again. I am joined today by uh, Mr. Alex Skinner. Hello. 
certainly is. And uh, Mr. Jordan Lloyd, have you got enough off your chest, or do you want to go a bit more on this? Do you want to feel in a little bit more zen now? It's quite weird cheering myself want... back, but the anger still resonates. Do you want a water, an energy drink, and one of those foil capes to put around you? Do you want to lay down? Should we put yeah, you in a recovery like position? Ambient music and uh, I haven't a nice lie down. I haven't oh, seen wow. someone get something off their chest as much as that since Kate and Price had her old implants removed. Like that was, <laughs> that was an exceptional. Uh, and we're both called Jordan as well. I know. It, it's mentioning. Strange. So, Let's talk about the death of football. I want to talk about it straight away. Death of football. Death, doom, despair, dour, so, misery. I haven't. I haven't had kind of your. Repost to what I said. So, what, what, what? Has anybody got anything to add? Well, I, um, the VAR stuff, we've talked about it. We've talked about it on the podcast, like, you know, last season and into this season. And it's, we, I think all of us are agreed that it's, it's an important part of the, the game moving forward. But the issue is how it's implemented. Um, and we've talked about how, you know, when people say, oh, VAR's ruined the game. Well, it's, VAR is literally just pressing rewind on something. It's the interpretation that I think a lot of people, you know, have issue with, myself included. I think you've hit the nail right in the head when you say it. It's, nobody cares. I'm speaking as a Man United fan. When, so when you look at that Jordan Ayew goal, no one cares if someone's, you know, toenail is offside or their little toe or whatever or their nose or some no one in their right mind is going to look at that and go well his nose is offside he shouldn't have counted no one cares also in that goal i'll let you carry on with that but in that goal as well when it's that smaller margin surely they need to realize as well that they can't be a hundred percent sure on the point of contact with the cross being played so if the margin is that tiny surely it needs to go with the striker because they can't fully know that the ball left when it did. So if it's that marginal, it's got to go with the striker. That's what well, baffled me. It wasn't clear and obvious. You know, that's no. my that's my issue, is that it's that, that wording of clear and obvious. Well, it wasn't. So the referees, you know, he, should, he shouldn't have had to have been, you know, looked at by VAR. It, it It's not clear and obvious. Even when you have a replay, it's like, oh, that is ridiculous. And if it's those sort of decisions, then the goal should stand for me. I think these inconsistent decisions are absolutely gutting for fans and fans alike. However, I have to say this is this is this is a trial and error period. Let's not forget this is in in the middle of a pandemic. I assume there will be a, a tighter, more effective process in order to iron out these niggly little creases. And I hope I hope that does happen. I think what we're looking at is we're playing post-apocalyptic football right now. And not everything is the same as it were uh, with VAR. And I think once it, it fully ingratiates itself back, like once this pandemic is over and they've got, they, they know where the flaws are, because we're still doing this, this, we're still leading into this technology with trial and error. I've got every, confidence in this technology actually working mm. as and and filling the, the the flaws which it leaves behind where it's pen no pen the the issues which i have like like we've touched upon though is this inconsistency with decision with refs when when it's a penalty when it's not a penalty when it's considered a dangerous tackle when it's not like these these are when the power is taken away from the ref on the pitch rather than the, the eye in the sky. So, like, and we've seen 
a lot of disrespect recently with you know Mourinho and any other manager stating that the ref out there is not the ref. The ref is somewhere else in a hotel, wherever. So I think it takes it takes president away from that, and there's not a, a final ruling of that, and that they're, they're losing their authority on the pitch in regards to that. And it is getting to see, but I certainly think that the game has transformed and has moved on, and it's an actual great. Yeah, I think it would make a difference. Sorry to interrupt. Do you think it would make a difference if the VAR people were up in the gantry, like the commentators are? Mm. Do you think that would make a difference? So obviously they're there, they've seen it real time, like the ref experienced the crowd and everything like that. Okay, that could influence, and I know they don't want it to do that, but obviously everyone plays an equal number of home games a season, everyone plays an equal number of away games a season. I think if they were on the gantry, watching yeah. it real time, watching the game, when an incident happens, then they turn to their screen and they're sat there in the stadium and they've witnessed it and they felt it real time, not watching it from behind from a telly, because football at a stadium and football behind a telly yeah, are different, different things, thing. are different experiences. Yeah, yeah. So, it like that. I wonder if that would help. And this is this is what I was saying in terms of this. It's the equivalent of working from home, isn't it? Like it's not going to be the same as, as being there in in a working environment to witness it. And these things, I consider, you have to you have to be there. It has to be a, a setup, which I'm sure the technology and how it's the tech, there's nothing wrong with the technology. It's how they're using the tech, which seems to be uh, it's certainly progressed. But these these annoying niggly little things keep keep cropping up. And the penalty decisions, the goals offside, and the dangerous tackles are—they're the three big hitters, right? Do you so right? I, it's, it's, what I can't work out is VAR was used during the World Cup, and it worked fine. Yeah, I don't remember any talking points like we've had this season, this week. There wasn't. Let alone. Do you mean this? But this is it. You see, how is it, how is it ready? to be used at the biggest football tournament in the world and it worked fine and the Premier League and uh, the, now has had this technology for a year, it, it it used it trialed it and then it brought it in for a season and they still can't get it right the World Cup got it right straight away and did so for the whole month that the tournament was on how is that possible like what are the what are the people, what are the refs and what are the all of the, you know, the people watching the VAR and then the governing body, it's like, what are they doing wrong that FIFA and the World Cup got so right? Like, I don't understand because it was our referees. Our referees are relying on VAR, They're acting as if I've got that there, they'll make the decision for me. In the World Cup, refs refed like it wasn't there and were notified. As we've mentioned before, if something was clear and obvious, if there was a massive error which would cause a huge injustice in the match or really affect the outcome of a goal or something like that, then it was used. It was a backup. It was there to protect the ref. It was there to protect the outcome of the game by making an incorrect decision right. What our refs are doing is using it for every decision. We're checking every goal. How many years since football's existence have we not had VAR and refs have not needed something else to check a goal? All of a sudden we've got it and we now need to check every single goal. That is that's insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. It's I don't get why we said we said before in the you know the refs don't use the monitor. 
um, they don't go to the monitors. Anyway, like in the World Cup, they went to it every time. Every time something was flagged, they would go to the monitor and have a good look at it from numerous different angles. The refs, like you say, it is this, they're now, they're using it as like a crutch because they think it's almost as if they're turning up and thinking, well, I don't have to put too much effort into work today. It's responsibility it's, that they're relinquishing as well. Hey, it's, it's not me. It's laziness. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just, you're not doing your job correctly. But I think, and if you take responsibility away from referees, the standard slips. If you if you strip responsibility away from people, then they're not going to rise to anything. They're not going to thrive in situations. You're not going to get great refs coming out of this country. It's a transformation of the game. Is what yeah. it is. The game has certainly moved on because there is more money in the game, and that will cause a lot of issues. Like if you're a player, you must be thinking, "I'm a pawn in this game." I get paid to do this. I am uh, under under the guidance of these rules, of this regulation, in this team, in this league, with with this with the FA body. And I have no. Uh, what what would you do? You'd be if you uh, are you now. It's disheartening to say the least, right? Oh yeah, you get it. It's disheartening. I mean, it's, it's all part and part of it. That's a very good segue that you've just done there into the one of the other parts of Jordan's little rant that we need to dissect. Corruption. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 part of your message that you sent to us that we've now shared with the world that hit me the most was the the money. You know, the the fact that Spurs got given the money, yet we're watching clubs going into administration because they can't afford to keep going, you know, and it's just like the money there is, is there for Spurs should be there for Bolton and Wigan, you know, and all these other clubs that are in, that are struggling financially. It's ludicrous. The money is there. Where is the money going? Like, where is it? Both both Wigan and Spurs spoke, declared the same issue. It was losses caused by the global pandemic. So Spurs' situation was a little bit different because they're recuperating costs at the stadium, and they didn't have any sort of period to recoup because the season was cut at two-thirds of the way in and no longer fans are coming in, so they're not getting the cost. So they've built a stadium and they've been safe. But Wigan, who are there, who don't get the same crowd size as Spurs, from a smaller area as well and smaller geography, not as many people there. And it's probably the running costs for them are tight, non-stop. Yeah. It's when a pandemic hits. That's when the support network should be leaping in to ask all those clubs going, are you going to survive? They went for help and they got, no, you've, you need, you've not run your club properly. Your accounts aren't right. Administration for you, 12-point purchase. It's what, how it is. It's and let's not forget yeah. who won a trophy last as well. Technically, sorry Spurs fans, but Wigan are a more successful <laughs> club. It's, it's, there is a huge divide. It's, 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 it's a whole game of loopholes and how... How many good lawyers can you get to find these loopholes like we've seen with the Man City uh, situation recently? Who, yeah. uh, well, you, the Man City one's sad. Um, you just, just, you just, get away with cheating by cheating. I think on, that I was a, poetic. a text from our lawyers saying that we need to be careful what we say here. Just poetic. Well, the Man City situation made me very sad because Burry is a stone's throw away. And the season started with Burry being... Eliminated. They're, not, they're no longer a team. Yeah. We had a 23 team League One because mm-hmm. Burry couldn't afford to pay the way. And you saw the scenes of the local town, and there was the old gentleman who had been going for years and kept turning up every day because he doesn't have a TV to check on the status of things. 
and then a team breaks FFP rules and sends half of the world's lawyers in and they get away with it and they get a slap on the wrist and £10 million pound fine, which for Man City, £10 million pound is like me getting fined a 10 it's, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet Burry, round the corner, don't exist anymore. There's, there's fans out there who don't have a football team to support at the moment and that just screams what's wrong. And they're two divisions apart, they were. Two divisions. Yeah. It's insane. It's just, it's, it's not right at all. And like you say about uh, the importance of community, if you haven't seen Sunderland Till I Die to find out what what impact uh, football clubs have on communities, I certainly think you should check that out. Absolutely bang on the money there. But I don't think football will ever, ever be in the hands of fans, ever. It's just, that's not how this game works. Like, even though I, I love it, I do. People need to understand that most fans are being milked for those season tickets, for for merch, for everything else, because that is what keeps the club afloat, right? They are the pawn. Well, of course it is. Premier League shirts now cost 60 quid. 60 quid for a replica shirt. You've got a family with a few kids. You've got to get each of the kids a shirt. You go to a game, you need to take the kids. You add your drink money and your food money and stuff in it. Holidays cost less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so the other aspect is, you know, with with the with the rules changing, this five sub rule is severely unfair to ill-equipped clubs, as well. Like you see, like I know it's different. But I saw like Real Madrid rolling off five subs in a game with Real Madrid, seeing their bench. It's just mm. it's, it's it's madness. <laughs> And it, yeah. it, there's, there's, a, there's a clear divide there and the, the gap will be breached and it'll be the same old same, won't it? Especially if you get like... It's also it's also taking out skill of poaching and tactics because if at half-time it's going wrong, you can change half of your outfield team mm-hmm. and basically re-pick your side for the second half. So for a team like, you know, well, Wolves have got a thin squad. Most of the Premier League haven't got big squads. You can't really do much with your bench because... You've not got the resources. But if Man City are a goal down and at half time he goes, right, I picked the wrong side here, he can bring on De Bruyne, Mares, Foden, Silva, and Mendy at half time, changes the team, five fresh legs, full internationals, worth about 500 million, yeah. and then win the game 4 1. Yeah. yeah. And it's sure. just, it's, it's not right. Exactly. Well, if, they're doing this, we're talking... if they're doing this rule, you should have academy players on the bench. It should be filled with youngsters and bring through the next generation of talent and it should be half of your bench or something or, or three members of your bench have got to be I don't know under 20 or something and just stop teams loading their bench with talent yeah. it's the same as what you were saying with the FA Cup as well like there's no there's no glory in the FA Cup the FA Cup is just uh, a story which they've created like the, the magic of the cup because it doesn't exist because they can't afford to to, to prioritise the cup when they when they have to fight off relegation like it's, it, there's there's a clear divide in that, and that, like nothing is fair. There's no fairness about this. No. It's if you have the funds, the resources, the players, that that is what makes it. Like it's it's monopoly. It's the it's the Perino distribution. We we do need to we do need to move on to other subjects soon. But the one thing which got me the Pep interview after the ruling yes. from Cass, where he said. Um, where he had a pop at like Wenger and he had a, a pop Wenger, at a few yeah. and he said we couldn't afford to buy Alexis Sanchez we couldn't afford to buy Harry Maguire like shut up like that's the that's arrogant that's arrogant 
that's one of the dumbest things. I can't believe anybody would even believe it because it's like you you paid you paid up front like what forty million for Jauka and uh, for Cancelo and he sat on your bench. Shut up. Do you know what I mean? It's like like, like I just diverting slightly and I'll, I'll be I'll be quick now. We need to move on, but it's interviews like that plus people being pushed away from the game, which is which make fans angry. And now their only platform for doing it is they're going online. And this is where the abuse starts. You have to scroll through Twitter on a Saturday on a match day. The amount of hatred and vile and abuse and stuff that's on there is absolutely sickening. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, and that's, that's another facet for me, which is turning football so sour. It, it used to be such a good debate. You could meet fans from teams or rivals. We could have a good discussion and a chat and you hear a different point of view and you learn about different sides and expectations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't say anything with that. Any, people are just so angry and, and are happy to tweet players and you know send abuse to people. I don't, where's this come from? Yeah. How can we remedy this? Should we should we direct people to the local grassroots football football teams? Where should our money go if we're consumers? That's the only thing that we we have control over. I think you should certainly see your local team and get involved with them. I prefer my money to go, to go more to go to those those types of small organizations who actually care care for the game because it's certainly uh, miss, being missed out. Hmm. Absolutely. Go to a local team where you can have a goal celebration without fear of it. Shout out Barry Town. Watch, yeah, Barry Town, nearby, those in the area, go watch them next season when restrictions are, allow us to. Tell you what, though. Go and support them. Leeds are doing well. Leeds are doing well. Leeds are doing well. Leeds have done well. Back in the Prem. Good Everyone else looking forward to watching El Loco. Sixteen Marcelo years there in the in the top flight. Did you see him outside of his house uh, celebrating with the fans? It was actually a really quite touching video. Really lovely. He seemed really humble and like couldn't believe people were there and they were thanking him. It was actually really nice. I did, uh, I did see the video. Really, really nice little video. I got sent it by one of my mates who just said, "Can't believe this." He's elbowing kids in his driveway, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> He's um good luck to him. They've uh, they've done well. Sixteen years out of the league, sixteen years of you know. I don't think any other sides would get as much grief as they did for being out of it. And their fans yeah. travel in their numbers and are very vocal and are very strong. And they've had some great history in the Premier League. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to have them back. It's going to um, it's going to be some massive... proves as well though as the, the mentality being strong and a, a collective belief in the Bielsa system. To go last year to to just miss out on it, to keep that group of players together and all fight for the same thing and strengthen, and just believe it in in the the, the methods and the mentality, because it's been it's been one hell of a project for Bielsa to, to to come into and just change the way that they play from from top from bottom to top, he, and now they get a shot at the 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 big league. They could do it. They could have an impact as well. The only thing that obviously. I've I've watched his sides for a number of years and they all follow they all have a very similar trait, which is they start off really well and then around February they, they're exhausted. <laughs> like he runs his teams into the ground. It's it mm. must be so tiring. Like look at Leeds last year. Like Leeds last year tailed off towards the end so dramatically. And they just he runs them into the ground and players that have played for him before have said the same. They're like 
the season, it almost feels like it's two seasons in one because his training sessions are just so intense. And the way he gets you to play, you have to be switched on like for 90 minutes. You can't have a, you can't rest. You can't turn your brain off. Um, I suppose the Premier League has less uh, like uh, Saturday, Tuesday compared to the championship. Obviously the games being the top league in the, the uh, in, in England, um, the intensity of matches is going to be, um, it's going to be very, very much tougher. But um, obviously they play what eight less games, which may help rest periods and stuff. And I'm sure that's one of the. If you're a player, out quite a lot. If you're a player and you're looking for a new project and a challenge which will challenge you, and you are like high caliber, what you'd have to look at Leeds as an option for for, for next year as well. They're going to bring about a wealth of. Uh, top class players to add to their list because who wouldn't want that as a project that would get you excited yeah and just 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 a chance to become the new breed of Leeds legend if you turn up at Leeds and have a class couple of seasons in the Premier League you'll be loved forever they really look after the players who uh, who put in the effort for them so yeah great project really really exciting the good thing about them as well is that they're not coming up with a with a shallow squad they're coming up with you know like so like players like Calvin Phillips now Calvin Phillips was being talked about for England when he was he's brilliant he's a great player he's fantastic he's so good and they've got they've got others as well like I'm interested to see what happens to Patrick Bamford because he's the you know parent he's the he's he's always a championship player for me Bamford, you know, he's never done it in the Premier League. Will he now get the opportunity to and will he actually take it, you know? Be... Going uh, back to what you said, he has a particular type of striker he likes and based on work rates and as people mm-hmm. give Bamford a lot of stick for missing chances but there's a reason Bamford plays every game for Bielsa is because he, he brings everyone else into the game. He like like McGoldrick's done for Sheffield United this season, like a defensive forward and Firmino's thrived in it as well. It's, yeah. Those are big roles now. Your strikers aren't your twenty goal man anymore. They they bring everyone else into play, and they also do a really really steady job in the. Program. They've also partnered with Statsbomb as well, so you know that their statistics are, are on it as well. Statsbomb to enhance the performance. Also, don't forget we have a reuniting of Bielsa and Frank Lampard after Spygate last season. Yep, that'll be happening again next season, which I'm sure is going to be very very good viewing. Anyway, look, the story goes on. Within, amongst all the corruption, gentlemen, all, all the issues, the, the system will just always perpetuate. We can cry about it for as long as we want, but we'll always return back to it. It's got that power over us, hasn't it? It's a beautiful game, isn't it? That's, that's what we want to protect, I guess. I think that was the final line of my rant. It's, it's beautiful and we need to Need looking after. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It reminded me of an Andy Norman rant in the extra special. So for you for that, I salute. I absolutely loved it. Uh, just um, should we should we wrap it up there? Have you got any other business, gents? That's 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 good for me. I've yeah. Spent any other shout outs? Any well, shout outs? Um, at Cardiff City. I'm just going to shout at Cardiff oh, City because yeah. it looks like they actually might get playoffs. And I, for one, am very excited. And Brentford as well, while we're in the Championship. Yeah. yeah. I'd also mentioned his name, but uh, I, I enjoyed seeing McGoldrick bag his first two Premier League goals the other day and celebrate like he did. I think that was, uh, I think it was brilliant. He's, he got released by Ipswich a couple of years ago. That was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant to see. Well done, everyone. Well done, Jordan. It was very uh, Jordan heavy this week. I enjoyed it. Just, I liked it. We I need to be in the recovery position after that, then. 
I need, yeah. <laughs> I think, you, like you said, I, I, I hope you feel uh, the the load is lighter now, George. This was a good ther- therapy session. Oh, Football therapy. Yeah. It's new. Football therapy. It's good, though. Just write that down. Lovely bit of business. Lovely bit of business. Any more for any more? Anybody who wants to rant as well, we're all ears. I'd like to hear other people's. Oh yeah, we'd love a rant. Look, if you if you if you wanted to send us a rant, there are a few options. You can go if you download the Anchor app, you can send us a voice recording, um, and we can add it into podcasts as well, future episodes. So just literally send it to us, we'll add it in, or email at touchlamrant@gmail.com on a or just tweet us, just all come around the house. You know, if, yeah, we're, we're all in all the time. Yeah, if you, if you tweet us, if you tweet us, we will send you Mitch's home address. So at a touchline rant, it does involve a flight to Australia, but you know, you're welcome. You with open arms, I'm sure. They're going cheap at the minute. Aren't they? they are going cheap. Hi, this is the Blender Coach, and you're listening to a Touchline Rant's latest podcast, Back of the Net. There you go. Another episode of a Touchline Rant podcast done. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to go follow us on social media at a Touchline Rant everywhere you get your media socially. Thank you once again to Bendy Geddig Media for helping us produce this podcast. And uh, yeah, just thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week. Have a good one. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever, ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.